I have a priest friend who used to always say during Holy Week, what's so good about Good Friday? And I have to say, I think it's a brilliant thing to say. I mean, what, what was good about that? That's awful. Unless you have the eyes of wisdom to see it and understand it, like from God's point of view. Also, he used to say, um, uh, today I came to preach about the good news, but I'm sorry, I have to preach about the bad news. And today, this is about bad news, it seems. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are persecuted and insulted because of my name. How is that a blessing? Well, again, it depends how you see it. And if you see it with God's eyes, which is filled with wisdom, it explains it quite differently. All the readings today, the first one talked about be seekers of peace, be seekers of justice, be humble, seek humility before God. In the second reading of the Corinthians, the same thing, talking about containing those virtues and that humility of spirit is, is what opens us up to God in our life. And then the gospel, Jesus preaches it from the mount. There were people everywhere. He had to go up a little ways on the hill, on the mountain, so that he could be there and everybody could hear him. They were there because they wanted to hear his words, his teaching. They wanted to be touched by him, to be healed by him, to learn about God and the kingdom from him. And so, of all the things he could have said, he preaches this, the famous Beatitudes. I had a professor in, in the uh, theology, Professor uh, Father Van Linden, and uh, he said this one time in my four years I heard it, and it was like 50 years ago, and it stuck with me. He said, and I don't speak the original languages, Hebrew and, uh, or any of the languages, Greek, any of the uh, original languages of the, the scriptures, but he said, blessed doesn't really cut it. Blessed is a clean word. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. What does it mean, Blessed. He said the word properly could be better uh, translated by saying something like tons of happiness. And that's what the last line says, happiness. And he was saying that when we enter into this place of humility, where we empty ourselves of ourselves, because we can get pretty full of ourselves, if we empty ourselves of ourselves, there's room for God to come in. In fact, on the 22nd of this month, February, uh, we begin Ash Wednesday. And uh, it's an old tradition in the church to celebrate those days before Easter and celebrate the Passion of Christ. But early on in the history of the church, we began to not keep it as an idea or something brief and short, but spent 40 days and nights emptying ourselves. That's why we do things like we, we give up candy or beer or something. We start reading the Scriptures more. We practice uh, some form of humility, something. Because if we're full all the time, we, we, we can't let things in. There's no room. And the tradition of the church was if you're full of yourself, how is God going to get in there if you don't need God? I know everything. I'm humble. I seek peace. I'm, I'm full of justice. So does God need to come into that? Could he ever get in if he tried? So the tradition of the church is for 40 days and nights, practice emptying yourself and giving room for God and asking God, seeking, like the first reading said, for God to come in. I never went on one, but I grew up seeing it was real popular at one time. I don't know if it still is. 
these treasure hunts that they would do in the community, and somebody, there'd be a prize at the end of this treasure hunt, and you would be instructed, uh, you'd go to say, there'd be a telephone pole, and you go there, and there's a note there, and it's the first note on the treasure hunt. And it says, if you go to the greenhouse um, uh, with two trees, you'll find the next step. And then you were supposed to go down that street and, and find the house with two trees, and there would be another sign there, and they would direct you to another place and to another place. You keep doing this till you got to the end of the treasure hunt. Well, if you were a know-it-all, thought you knew it all, you'd say, I know where that house is. It's right down there. But it just so happens there's three of those houses on the street, but only one has two trees. So the person full of themselves, they know everything. And we all know people like that. Maybe all of us are like that sometimes. I know the house. And they go to the wrong house and someone else beats them to the proper house because they took note of where are the two trees. So they get there and they get the next clue and the next clue. The whole point of this is being able to be empty enough to be filled with new information more information. And the more that we do that with our God, the more we do that with God's wisdom, the more we do that with the Word of God, the more our lives can be directed by God and filled up with God. I think that, um, for me, a good comparison is Thanksgiving Day. Not so much now, because I can't eat as much as I used to, but when I was a kid, oh, I loved Thanksgiving Day. And my sister, I only have one sister, and she had five brothers. I was one of them. But so when she got married, she got her revenge and had seven girls. And um, you know how the names of my family rhyme, Larry, Perry, Barry, Terry, Jerry, Gary, Marietti. She did deeds like <laughs> Bart and Carol there, Denise, Donna, Deanne, Darla, Deborah, Dina, Donnell. And... Um, <clears throat> She taught them all everything, how to sew, how to cook, uh, how, everything. She made them work, and they all learned all the chores. And on Thanksgiving and Christmas in particular, they were very proud of creating their own dish and bringing it to the dinner. And I always loved it because they were all good cooks, and, and plus they were real competitive. So uh, Debbie would bring something, and then Donna would say, oh, she just bought it at Costco. And Debbie would say, I did not. I made it from scratch, how dare you? And all the plates were wonderful. So, um, I would go and I'd gorge myself. I'd just eat and, and I wouldn't eat in the morning. Maybe have a cookie or something. I'd say, I, I gotta keep my stomach empty because I don't want that food. Then I would overeat every single year I never learned. I'd overeat and leave the table stuffed. That feeling I, I can't even take one more bite. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you never happened, but I want to imagine it happening. I want to imagine that my dad comes out of the kitchen after I just, in fact, maybe I went, mm, and I say, I can't have another bite. I'm stuffed. Oh, come on, Perry, have one more. No, can't. I'm stuffed. And then my dad walks out of the kitchen with a 28-ounce steak that's just been finished in that Ruth Chris butter, just steaming, and, and says, here, Perry, here's your favorite steak. I can't eat another bite. Now, that's a physical reality, but what if spiritually we understood it something like that? You know, 
let's say that you came into church and you're very devout and you prayed the rosary and you said a novena and then you walked out of church and you're full of God now. You don't need any more. Really? Can we ever be full? Well, we can be if we uh, close ourselves off. But what if even after prayer we say, God, thank you for that moment of prayer with you. Thank you for your love. Continue to guide me this day. What if, what if our thinking was, there's always a part of me that's empty enough for God to come in and give me more? If we are not true seekers, and if we cannot empty ourselves, and then most of all, invite our God in. Now, the, the truth is, and I believe this with all my heart, God loves every one of us exactly the same, 100%, exactly the same. I don't care how big of a sinner, I don't care if you don't believe in God, I, I just believe in a God that loves us always, 100%. The difference isn't about God loving us. The difference is about our being able to receive it. And so if we're full and we don't need God, we won't feel God. But if we're truly seeking and always asking and believing that God can always gift us more, then our lives begin to change. Today, we're only in the fourth Sunday of ordinary time. Fourth Sunday. We've just begun the year. And we're in the midst of Jesus' ministry, and he's telling us with the best of his wisdom, empty yourselves, open yourselves, Seek me, look for me, ask for me, be ready for me. Look, listen, and if you open your heart enough, not only will I love you, but I'll show you how to love. Now, I just want to add a little addendum at the end. First of all, gracias por su lectura en español. Oh, qué rico, qué bonito, sí. Yes. Now, he's not the beneficiary of this because he's too old right now, but I think, is it third grade? Are we up to third in the duel or second? So uh, we started a couple years ago with making this a dual language school, and we started with the pre-K and kinder, and, and each year we add one more class so that the kids that entered in, in uh, kinder, by the time they graduate nine years later, they will speak like that, read and speak and understand the Spanish. So if you're Filipino, you'll walk out of here speaking Spanish and reading it. If you're African-American, you'll walk out of here speaking Spanish and reading it. If you're a gringo like me, you'll walk out of here reading and speaking Spanish. That's pretty darn good. And for all the gringos and the Filipinos and the African-Americans, you're going to have a double advantage when you go to a job that says, well, we really need someone Spanish-speaking. Oh, see, sí, yo puedo hablar en español. Ooh, but you're white. <laughs> what is this? So, uh, gracias por eso. And um, that's one of the gifts of our school. But I'll tell you the other one is this. I just drove down, um, I never remember the name of that street, the one uh, Fletcher, going up to Fletcher here, the vein over here. Uh, oh, somebody shouted out. Uh, the one that goes between the two schools up there. They have a campaign going on, apparently, about kindness. So I see some signs on their, on their fences like we have out there. Be kind. Kindness is good and stuff like that. And so they're obviously trying to engender and develop in the students a, a deeper sense of kindness for one another. And 
That is the great gift of Catholic schools. We get the chance every single day not to hint about kindness or hint about religious values. We teach them. We pray them. We speak them to one another. And if there's a fight on the campus, uh, we bring them back to what we believe religiously about reconciling and saying I'm sorry and forgiving one another. We get the chance to put into practice ideas and words and things that, that you know, you can read in the scriptures and they can be just words on the page until they're written in the heart. And imagine after nine years of going through classes and, and praying together and celebrating the Eucharist and receiving your sacraments and, and listening to and talking to and sharing God among yourselves, how much can happen to us? So for this first day of Catholic Schools Week, this is quite a blessing, I think, for us to be able to celebrate the gift that we have in Catholic education, the gift we have in St. Bernard's School. I think it's been about 50 years, something like that. And there's a, a wonderful and great spirit there. So hopefully... Uh, it will very well express everything that's in these scriptures today and that we will come to school every day, come to our church every day, ready to empty ourselves a little bit more so that God can fill us a lot more.